I love this story because two people have visions pretty much at the same time. They're trying to figure out what they mean. And um, neither of them are crazy. (laughs) Acts chapter 10. If you want to see how the gospel goes forward, read the book of Acts. And it will excite you and terrify you all at the same time. We're going to start at chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as an Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Underline that right there. Mental note, do it on your phone, whatever you got to do, get your connect card out, write that down. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of the Lord, angel of God, who came to him and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him in fear. Could you imagine? Can we just stop there? Could you imagine? Angel of the Lord, just minding your own business, praying to God, giving to the poor. Angel of the Lord stands before him. Cornelius. Yeah? what is it, Lord? Your voice would automatically go up about four four octaves. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Look at your neighbor and say, if you're going to get God's attention, you need to pray and give to the poor. Go ahead, do it right now. Look at him and say, if you want to get God's attention, you need to pray and give to the poor. Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. What better thing could you have said about you? So then he gives him instruction. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. This is the same Peter that denied Christ, same Peter that tried to cut the the guy's head off in the Garden of Gethsemane, same Peter that denied Christ, same Peter that Christ forgave, same Peter that preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 men got saved, same Peter, all right? Same Peter. Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. That always happens when I pray. I'm like, Lord, you're so good to me. Oh, I need a hamburger. (laughs) Come on, you get distracted, don't you? Liars. You're like, no, when I pray, my mind is perfectly fixed on God. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened up and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. Peter replied, I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, could you imagine? He's still sitting up on the roof like, what? was that and where is my hamburger 
The men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. God's timing is so perfect. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Get up and go downstairs and not hesitate to go with them for I've sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius, the centurion. He's a righteous, a God-fearing man who's respected by all Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with him. Some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. Peter made him get up. He said, stand up. I'm, just, I'm a man just like you are. But talking with him, Peter went inside, found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with a, or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. And I ask why you sent for me. Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at the door at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and I peed my pants a little bit and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon who is called Peter. He's a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner, lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who, he, who fears him and does what is right. You know the message of God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Father, we thank you today. God, you'll give two men who have no idea each other even exist visions to come together and spread your gospel, I pray then these last days we'd see visions and dream dreams and we'd realize the calling you've placed in our lives to push this gospel as far and wide as we possibly can in our lifetime. Lord, we pray that at the end of the day, the success we have would be directly connected to how far your gospel got because we submitted to your call. Change our hearts and minds this morning. Make our lives more pliable in your hands. And God, we pray that a determination will rise up within our hearts that we will not rest. We will not waste one more second, but that your gospel would go forward in a great way from this place. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and everyone said, amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. So Cornelius, centurion, He was probably an enlisted man who had worked his way up through the ranks, and now he was in charge. Uh, the default saying is about 600 men. It's probably between three and 600, but um, this guy knew what he was doing. He was, a, he was a good soldier. He was a good leader. He was in charge of a lot of, he was in charge of the, what they called the Italian regiment who loved uh, pepperoni rolls. But he... Um, it says that he was a devout man, prayed regularly, and generously gave to the poor. Now, he was not a Jewish convert, they don't believe. 
but he also didn't, wasn't worshiping a whole bunch of gods like the, like the Gentiles and the, and the pagans did in those days, that he was probably bent towards Judaism and was praying to the one true God, but he wasn't a full convert. But his lifestyle was proving out to get God's attention. He did not know of Christ as far as being his savior at the time, but he was doing enough to get God's attention. And I want to ask you this morning, is what we're doing enough to get God's attention? Because it is fascinating to me that a man who doesn't even know necessarily that Jesus is the Messiah can pray regularly to God and give generous gifts to the poor, and they come up, the Bible says, that the angel told him, as an offering to God. Like that this is something that came before, hey, what's on the agenda today, God? Hey, listen, uh, here's the deal. Cornelius has been praying and giving generously to the poor, and I'm taking notice of that today. And so... So what happens in the advancement of the gospel is we find out that if we don't care for the poor, the gospel never goes forward. Because a percentage of rich people on the planet are so minuscule that they probably already heard the gospel a bunch of times. By the way, you're considered rich. We've talked about this before, right? There's a correlation between poor and the gospel going forward. The, the, the most unreached people in the world are what's called within the 1040 window. It's a, it's a specific geographic location on the map that the most unreached people on the planet are within that vicinity. They are also the poorest people on the planet. So it's kind of ironic that the American church, we can be totally consumed with whether I should get the new iPhone X or just the plain $800 iPhone 8 Plus. I mean, and then have people on the other side of the planet that would have to save up 10 months to buy that same phone, which would also mean they didn't eat for those 10 months. Because I've also stood with pastors in the middle of nowhere who you find out maybe make $100 a month. They're basically working to eat that day. And so I show up with my notes on an iPad. It is a second generation iPad. It's not that fancy, but it would still be totally out of reach. You see, there's no way that we can avoid or ignore the poor and in the same breath expect the gospel to go forward because the poorest people on the earth are the ones who haven't yet heard the gospel. And so as an American church, it, it's, it kind of defies our reasoning. Like, well, if you just work harder, and it just doesn't work that way in those cultures. And, and so, so how, do we, how do we get out of our numbing mindset that, that everybody lives like us and realize that the poorest people on the planet are the ones that still need to hear the gospel. I get up early on Sunday mornings and uh, go over my sermon and make sure I'm not going to say anything dumb. It rarely works, but I still do, still a practice that I do on Sunday mornings. And so I, I got up this morning and I, I was looking at my sermon and, and I also checked some emails. And um, there's, a, there's a, a family that we had here that is in Southeast Asia, and I'm going to leave their names out of it, but they're related to somebody that goes to our church. And uh, I was reading, reading through the email, and I realized um, I didn't plan this until this morning. And I realized that what I was preaching about was what they were experiencing. 
And they're in Southeast Asia, and these people, I love their mentality of ministry. They just went there, and he got a job, and he's working. And they're living beside people, and they're ministering to them, and, and they're just living life among people who have less than we do and, and expect less than we do and, and live a different lifestyle than we do, but they've been called to a place, and so they're living their lives there. And so we can't, we, we can't separate this whole idea of, of the poor, and, and what happens here is this family has a bunch of little kids, and one of them got pneumonia. And on the island they were living in, the town they're in, there wasn't sufficient medical uh, care to get the pneumonia treated. And so it said, um, by the time we got to the hospital, uh, in our, by the time we got to the hospital where she was sent after being diagnosed with mild pneumonia, she was really eating, wasn't eating or drinking anymore and was very lethargic. While we were in the hospital, listen to this, one of our neighbors passed away. And you think, oh, that's sad. Possibly from an infection after a C-section. Which like one in a million people in America might experience that. While we were in the hospital, one of our neighbors passed away, possibly from an infection after a C-section. And my husband was unable to, was able to visit with the family while the girl, girls and I grieved in the hospital. They, were in, they had to go to Singapore to get treatment for their daughter with pneumonia. Where I grieved in the hospital, where I reflected on the weight of the fact that we chose to go to Singapore because of the sometimes inefficient medical care in our city, but our neighbor hadn't gotten that same luxury. She left behind two little boys and a broken-hearted husband. After two days of IV antibiotics, however, our child was so improved that her doctor said that she could take the line out and let her out to walk around the garden. And I watched her bounce around, such a change from how sick she had been the past month. She said, I was incredibly blessed from being spared such an unimaginable sorrow. The, the issue is, is that the gospel going forward means that we may not be able to maintain certain things in our lives. And that, for me, oftentimes over the years, has been a difficulty. I remember reading certain books and walking out on my deck and just looking up to God going, I don't, like, how does this apply to me, Lord? I don't even know what to do about it. It's just a massive tension in my life about what I have and what people need and, and, and can I get to them and what can I do about it and all these things. And so there's this, there's just this tension that lives there all the time. And even missionaries who are in Southeast Asia feel the tension. We got to pick up and take our daughter to Singapore to get antibiotics for pneumonia while somebody else laid in a house and died they could have benefited from probably the same antibiotics. So the gospel going forward means we have to embrace the idea of being with, with the poor, not just, not just tossing trinkets at them, but taking the gospel to them in a meaningful way. And oftentimes that doesn't mean showing up with all of our nice stuff and going, well, we're praying for you, brother. <laughs> 
So what happens here is that it got God's attention because Cornelius realized that and it says he generously gave to the poor. It was part of, he didn't understand it as a salvation thing, but he just knew it was important. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to gauge my own life and say, am I doing enough to actually get God's attention on this matter? Like, does it come up before God? Hey, Chris prays regularly and he's generous to the poor. Because that's where most of the people are haven't heard the gospel. And I'm going, I, I don't know. I think, I think a Gentile centurion might beat me out sometimes on that. So what happens is he gets God's attention. Now, at the same time he's getting God's attention, Peter has a dream. Now, watch this. He says he goes up on the roof to pray and he's hungry. We talked about how common that was and how distracted you get when you pray. But he goes up pray anyway. He actually, it says he gets hungry. And so I think it kind of went like this. He goes up and prays like, Father, art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Ooh, that's a five guys thing right there. Okay. Hey, can you guys fix me some lunch? I'm up here praying. You know how I do. And so he's up there praying. They're fixing him lunch. Now, it's, it's kind of ironic that he sees the vision he has because he's hungry. Now, if you turn back to Leviticus, you'll find out a whole ton of rules that Jewish people live by as far as their dietary uh, uh, preparations and stuff like that. They could only eat uh, animals, like meat animals, with split hoof and that uh, chew the cud. Right? Do you know what that means? Like when you see a cow chewing, it's, he's actually throwing back up in his mouth and chewing it again. Did you know that? So if he's got a split hoof and does that, it's all, it's all fair game. Meat is beautiful. It's from God. So what happens is he could eat that, but you couldn't eat shellfish. Somebody say, thank God for grace. <laughs> he couldn't eat shellfish and he couldn't eat pork. So that means he couldn't eat a scallop wrapped in bacon. Oh my goodness. How did they even make it? How did a whole society live like that? All right, so Peter's hungry. He's up on the roof. He, he, this has been ingrained in him from the beginning. And so what happens is, it says he falls into a trance. God is, God is trying to show him something extremely important. But it doesn't make sense in the moment. So what happens is, he sees a sheet coming down from heaven, and he sees all kinds of animals on it. And it instantly, he hears a voice, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. And Peter starts to freak out because he realizes that there's animals on that sheet that he would never eat. Like a serpent. Or a pig. He would just never even consider it. So he replies back, surely not. I've never touched one of those things. I would never eat anything like that. And then he hears the response, don't call anything I have called clean, unclean. Lord, how are you going to go thousands of years telling me not to eat this stuff? And all of a sudden, I'm hungry for some five guys up on the top of the building trying to pray. All of a sudden, now the sheet comes down. You tell me to eat anything I want. I don't understand what that means. I don't, like, why, why, would, why would you do that? And it says it happened three times. Like, he's got the same thing happening three times, and then the sheet's gone. And he's sitting there trying to figure out what it all means. Can... can can you follow me on this? In your current mindset, it will keep you in your current position. Did you hear that? 
Your current mindset will keep you in your current position. The reason I live in the house I live because I have a mindset about the house I should live in and where I want to live and all that stuff, and I like where it is. And so unless my mindset about where I live changes, I'll never leave. Amen? I'm just fine there. Why would I change my mind about it? I'm fine with what I, I'm fine with where I'm at. I'm fine with what I have. I got a kid that mows the grass. I don't have to worry about it. Amen? Now, when he graduates and moves off, I might get a smaller yard because my mindset's going to change. Because that means I'll have to mow. Moving to assisted living home at 45. Like all the kids are out, I ain't mowing. (laughs) That's actually a really good idea we've never talked about. That's sweet, actually. (laughs) Just walk outside, somebody's already fixed breakfast. I got some of you changing your mindset already. They're like, we're going early. Your current mindset will keep you where you currently are. Peter is thinking, I don't understand what all this is going on. I don't understand. I don't understand. He's got a mindset about the way things work. He he has a mindset about how the gospel should go forward. Because, see, uh, Peter was a Jew. And until this point in time, they thought there was an exclusivity to the gospel to the Jewish people. Like he would never think about going to a Gentile and spreading the gospel. That's not in his deal. And so God uses this sheet that drops down, shows all this uh, unclean animals that, and then tells them to eat it to prove a point that he doesn't understand yet. But God is trying to change his mindset because the current mindset that Peter had would not allow him to go to Cornelius' house and preach the gospel to him. It wouldn't allow him to do it. And what I propose to you today is some of our current mindsets will not allow us to spread the gospel past this church. Because in 2004, I had the mindset, this ain't me, I'm not doing it, I got, you know, I got 45 reasons why I shouldn't be here now, and I'm sick of this place, I want to go home. And there's people sitting here right now heard me say that. I'm like, these, these missionary guys are crazy, and it ain't me. So my mindset kept me in a certain place, in a certain, in a certain position, in a, in a certain area, it just kept me there, because I, 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 I couldn't think any way different. And, and God was trying to change Peter's mindset. You see, until, until you think differently, you won't do differently. So, so let, me, let, me, let me pose this thing to you. We have beliefs in the United States, and we talk about this a lot here. So, so just, you know, it's something we talk about a lot. We have beliefs in the United States, in Christianity in the United States, that, that God loves me. He cares for me, wants the best for me, and that's always translated as an easier life with no stress and everything that I want. Somebody tell me, somebody say amen. That's how it's always translated. It's always translated as God loves me, he wants the best for me, he's for me, not against me, nothing can separate me from his love, all these things, and we instantly translate that into, I'll get a better car next year, my house, uh, I'll get more money next year, my kids will be better next year, everything in my life will actually improve. So that's a mindset. That, that's how we approach life. I'm always going to improve, nothing's ever going to get worse, and so when it does... In the context of our mentality, it never makes sense. When it does get worse, we go, what's that about? 
Why did I get sick? Why did this happen to me? Why did that happen to me? Why did this happen? What's going on over here? God, why did you let a sheet down in front of me with a bunch of animals on it I won't eat? Stick with me, Peter. I'm trying to change your mindset about something. I know it doesn't make sense now. Just stick with me. I'm trying to change your mind about something. I know it doesn't make sense now why you work so hard and it's not working out. I know, I, I know what, like you ate right, did all these things, and now you're sick anyway. I know it doesn't make sense. Stick with me. I'm trying to change your mind about something. Stick with me. I'm trying to change your mind about something. Because guess what I found out? Constant prosperity never changes my mind about anything. <laughs> it confirms everything I think. It confirms everything. Oh, I've never had a bad day in my life. You don't want a preacher like that. I can tell you that right now. You don't want a preacher like that because I can't even relate to that person. I'm like, you're still smiling? Why would you be smiling right now? Oh, God is so good. Well, it doesn't feel like it. Can we just be honest about it sometimes? It doesn't feel like it doesn't make any sense. Wait a second. Maybe God's trying to change my mindset about something because I came in here thinking one thing and now I've seen this vision and it's saying something totally different. And so what happens is Peter sees it three times, and then at the end of the third time, boom, Cornelius' men show up at the house. Somebody say something for God's timing. It's good. Cornelius' men show up to the house, and they're knocking on the gate. See, I think it's awesome that they had gates and walls around their houses. Then people just couldn't walk up to your front door randomly and knock on it, trying to sell you magazines. So they're out knocking on the gate. Bang, 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 bang. Hey, we're, we're from Cornelius' house. We, we, we were told that there's a man, Simon, who's called Peter, that is here. Can we see him? We need to see him. Peter's still up on the roof trying to figure out what the heck's going on. He's still going, I don't get it. Like, meat, I'm supposed to eat it, not eat it. I'm just confused right now. So, nobody goes up against him. He hears a voice saying, hey, Peter, there's people down there who want to talk to you. And so he hops and he's like, oh, okay. Could you imagine coming out of this thing going, I have no clue what happened. There's some random strangers at your gate and you walk down. What do you want? Hey, Cornelius sent us up here to get you, bring, him, bring you back to him. Oh, Cornelius, he's a centurion. Yeah. yeah he, he said, he sent us here to get you to come back and talk to him. Oh, okay, okay. So listen, what are we doing to get God's attention? And then the realization, the realization that, that the gospel going forward always includes the poor, that there's no way out of it, that, that the poorest people on the planet are the ones who've never heard the gospel before, and that God is calling us to reach them. And then the idea, and then the idea that God is trying to change your mentality about things. It's not... It, 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 if he doesn't change our, our mentality, then we stay where we are. If, 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 we, if we don't change our mindset and our current situation, then we stay in our current situation. If he doesn't change it. So you're seeing this pattern work through this story. And then what happens is this. Can I say to you this morning that it never makes sense until you go? It never makes sense until you go. Never makes sense until you go. Look at your neighbor say, if you don't go, it won't make sense. 
Come on, do it. If you don't go, it won't make sense. If you don't go, it won't make sense. It won't make sense. It won't make sense. So Peter's seen this thing drop out of the sky with all these filthy animals on it. He's like, I'll never eat those. God says, don't call unclean what I've already called clean. Peter's like, what? Thousands of years you've called these things unclean. What are you talking about? And he sees it three times. He doesn't understand. He's up there pondering it. Hey, we're from Cornelius' house. He's a centurion of the Italian regiment, the ones that like uh, pepperoni rolls. And we're here to get Peter and bring him back to him. And Peter invites him into the house. And now he's going, God, this is the strangest day of my life. Forget about trying to cut the guy's head off at, at, the, at the garden. Forget about denying Christ. This, this has got to beat. I've seen a vision that makes no sense whatsoever. And then these guys pop up. The next day he leaves. It takes him a day to get to Cornelius' house. He shows up to Cornelius' house. Now watch this. It's my favorite part. He shows up to Cornelius' house. Cornelius bows before him. Peter goes, get up, man. I'm just a guy like you. Walks in. The first thing Peter says to him, we need to get something straight here. I'm not supposed to be here talking to you. Yeah, I'm a Jew and you're not. And this is actually unlawful for me to be here talking to you. This is not the way it typically works out. But here's what just happened. I had a mindset change. I had a mindset change about this just a couple days ago. Just a couple days ago, God changed my mind about this whole thing. And he says, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that this is against the law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. But watch this. God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. It won't make sense until you go. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask, why am I even here? I still don't understand why I'm here. Cornelius says, hey, listen, bro. Uh, three days ago, I was, I was doing the same thing. And, and, uh, and the angel of the Lord scared the mess out of me, peed myself a little bit. And now, and, and he told me that to go get you. And I don't even know why. Peter says, oh, I know why. I know why the same Jesus that saved us is going to save you right now. And if you read further on in that story, there was undeniable evidence that, that Cornelius and his whole household accepted Christ at the words of Peter. Here's the issue. What you walk through will never make sense until you go. You're trying to make sense of why there's struggle in your life. You're trying to make sense of why this doesn't work out and that doesn't work out. You're trying to make sense of why God, why that happened in my life. I don't understand because in your current context, it will never make sense. In your current mentality, it'll never make sense. In Peter's mentality of you can't eat that, it never made sense. But as soon as he turned and went, I'll go where you called me to go, Lord, it's undeniable that this these couple guys standing at the gate sent by a Gentile, there's something up here. I don't know what it is, but I'll go where you called me to go. So he starts walking towards Cornelius this house shows up and he goes aha I understand now and the reason I'm standing in front of you is because Jesus died and resurrected and he's here to save you today so listen to this in your current mentality the things you walk through might not make any sense and the worst thing that could happen is you struggle through your whole life trying to make sense out of something that only makes sense in a different context but we never let it get there Lord, why did, why did I have to work so hard at my marriage? Why did I have to do this? Why, did, why, did, why, what about, why are my kids like this? Why, why am I struggling so hard at work? Why am I struggling so hard? At, it only makes sense if you follow. 
It only makes sense when you hear people call to go. And so Paul follows it up in Romans and he says this. He says, there's no difference between Jew and Gentiles. So that thing Peter was freaked out about, Paul later on writes, hey man, no difference. Everybody gets the gospel. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Come on, isn't that exciting? Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It don't matter. It don't matter if you're the poorest person on the planet. You call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Now that's not the end. He, Paul says this to the Roman church. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one who they not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can someone, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Church, I'm praying that we will wake up and have a shift in the way we think. That we'll define success totally different. I, I actually believe, and I'm not saying this as just the end of a sermon, I actually believe. I tell our staff all the time, I think there's innovative ways to reach people with the gospel that nobody's thought about before. Why wouldn't it originate here? Why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we figure it out here? Why wouldn't get the, the most creative thing that is anybody's ever known? breath of God who can breathe life into a human formed of dust. God who can create something out of nothing lives in us. The same power that raised Christ, raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and it quickens this mortal body to be able to do things that I wouldn't ordinarily do. Am I the most creative person on the planet? No, but the spirit of God in me can allow me to do things that I can't ordinarily do. So I believe that we can be innovative here and I also believe that we can send people and that some of them are sitting in this building right now. Some of you are hearing the call of God. You're hearing that little thing that you're tugging with back and forth like, ah, oh, you're crazy. That's crazy. No, that's crazy. No, that's crazy. I don't understand what the sheep meant coming down with all, of, all the things. No, you'll never understand. You'll never understand what has happened up to this point unless you go, unless you follow. Follow the call of God. Maybe it's to the next town. Maybe it's to the next state. Maybe it's to the next country. Whatever it is. But the gospel going forward and us following that call makes sense of all kinds of things in our lives. And I believe, not just as a cliche, but I believe the gospel can go far and wide from this very place, Hedgesville, West Virginia. Amen. Come on, let's stand and pray that way. Father, we've heard your call today, Lord. We know we have to have a shift and the way we think, we realize, Lord, that you are indeed calling us. Lord, I pray that we'd hear the men at the gate saying, hey, come, tell us. I pray that we wouldn't ignore them. I pray that you'd quicken our senses to hear your voice. I pray, Lord, that your call would be real and definite in our lives. And it would be something that we would indeed lay our lives down for that we would follow you and we take this gospel as far and wide as you would call us to. I pray that you'd raise up people right now. I pray that you'd speak to people right now who have yet to be able to make sense of all this stuff happened, but the context of the gospel going forward, Lord, all of a sudden opens their eyes to the, to the life they've lived, to the path they've taken, to the where you've guided them through, Lord. I pray that it would open their eyes to what you've enabled them to do to this point and that it would begin to make sense as they follow you.
God, I pray that you confirm it on their lives this morning. I pray that the tug would not get weaker, Lord, but the tension would grow stronger and stronger and stronger. And we would be a church that would wholeheartedly follow you wherever you lead. That you'd receive the honor and the glory. And a great number of people would receive the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And they would inherit, like we have, eternal life. Lord, equip us to do it. Empower us to do it. Provide for us to do it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Come on, could you give him honor and glory one more time?